0: Hi everyone. Good afternoon from nearby Philadelphia. I have literally just run into my run into my house because today uh, on Tuesdays I volunteer at an inner city farm located on a plot of land where many houses once sat, and I am the resident chef there. And uh, literally, like. 20 minutes ago, I was still in my car. So I'm happy to be here today. Uh, Welcome to anyone that might be new. Today, our producer is Richard Van. Uh, Always love working with Richard, who today shared with me that he is a rice nerd. And we began to talk about rice cookers, and he cooks his rice in a clay pot. So I find that fascinating. So Richard, thank you in advance for all of your help and wisdom today. Before we begin, I thought I would share a favorite of mine uh, because it's something that totally comes in handy and I learned about this from my friend Jane Esselstyn and it is called a Wonder Bag. And when I first got it, I think that my cat thought it was a cat bed, but the Wonder Bag is a project of a 501c3 in South Africa. And the, the project was invented, so to speak, when electricity kept going out, and uh, people were unable to finish cooking their food, and then their food would go bad. So a woman, and you have the link to Wonder Bag, and I hope that you all read about it, invented the Wonder Bag. It's become a community business for many, many people. Uh, men and women in specific communities. Um, It's made of a beautiful African print and it's stuffed with a foam that is incredible. And what it does is, I've tested this myself, um, you cook your beans halfway, you put it in the wonder bag, you shut it tightly and then you wake up the next day and your beans are done. And it's also really, really good for transporting food if you're going to a party or you have a catering event or something like that. So if I if I need a cool temp, I pack it with ice packs and it can maintain a temp below 40 degrees. And I just love using it. They make fabulous gifts. And when it arrives to you in the mail, it's in a box that's about this big. So you'll spend quite a bit of time uh, getting your Wonder Bag together but they've got beautiful, beautiful prints and they have since improved them. They put handles on them so that you can carry them easily. And you're gonna put your pan or pot in there and then cover it with this that looks like a throw pillow and it helps to retain the heat. What I do is I take the bottom of a springform pan and I put it at the bottom so that it helps to retain the heat even better. Anyway, Wonder Bag, you've got the link. I hope that you'll get to try one of those out. And we've got a nice group with us today. Let's start off with our first question that comes from Sylvia E. Sylvia is taking the Jacques Pepin cooking course, wonderful course by the way, and he often recommends using a good quality olive oil. Where does one start if they are unfamiliar with good quality olive oil? Any recommendations? Well, You know, I worked at Whole Foods Market for many years and had the joyous experience of going to many in-services. So I remembered uh, being visited by a representative from the McAvoy Olive Oil Company. It's a California-based olive oil. What you specifically want to look for are two very important things. You want it to be either first-pressed, virgin, or cold-pressed. And the reason for that is you're going to get the best tasting olive oil that you will get. Um, There are other types of olive oil that are not extra virgin olive oil and they've been heated and processed so that you might have a different uh, colored looking uh, olive oil. The one interesting thing that I remembered about the McAvoy visit was that olive trees will take on some of the scents or aromas or what is growing around them. So it might be avocados, it might be grass or whatever, and that that can help to impact the color. The other thing, um, Sylvia, is that you wanna look for olive oil that is in a uh, dark colored bottle, either green or black or blue or whatever. And um, there are many, many stores that are specific to olive oil and uh, vinegar and you might want to go and visit one and they'll let you do a tasting for free and you can find something that you like. Magavoy can start at a price point of $15 for a 300 liter, 300 cc's uh, in a bottle and you can go all the way up to $350. So I think that if I were taking this course, I would look for a first press or extra virgin olive oil, cold pressed. And the other thing I wanted to say is one of the best kept secrets in the olive oil world is one of the best products at Whole Foods Market is their extra virgin olive oil. And it's not priced, you know, out of the ballpark. So um, first pressed, cold pressed, dark bottle, look at your price point and visit an olive oil store where uh, you can uh, taste some different olive oils and get some pointers from the person who would be helping you make your selection. So I hope that that helps. And uh, yes, I did uh, include an article from Bon Appetit magazine about how to select uh, some olive oil. And the article actually brings up a lot of really good talking points, Sylvia. And I do hope that you find that helpful. So yeah. Um, I guess, Bon Appetit, is that what Jacques Pepin says? I always enjoy seeing him uh, on PBS. So this is from Nayana. How can we cook healthy, tasty food? Well, you know, that is such a big, open-ended question. And a lot of it depends upon uh, how fresh your food is. A lot of it depends upon the spices that you choose to work with. One of the things that I like to do to flavor my food, so let's say that I'm going to use cumin. Cumin is lovely, but before I use it in a recipe, I will put it over a low flame and just kind of roll it around in a a saucepan of some nature so that its natural oils and flavors can be released, and then I'll add it to my recipe. So that's one of the ways to enhance the flavor of your food. And then the other thing... um, is you probably want to look at some spices of things that you enjoy. But I also wanted to tell you that one of my favorite dishes, um, and this is almost embarrassing, but Whole Foods Market happens to have organic Brussels sprouts. They're frozen. They're actually from Brussels. They're from Belgium. And they are petite and delicious. And I will uh, steam them. And I will put nutritional yeast on them and some hot sauce. And to me, the flavor is absolutely delicious. Sometimes I add a little freshly cracked pepper just to add some more flavor. So if you're trying to replicate the exact flavor of something that you have eaten, not plant-based, you have to throw that away and sort of develop new flavor profiles for you to enjoy as you March down the road to uh, healthy and better eating. And if you ever have any questions, you can always feel free to email me at char at So we have a couple of questions similar to this today, Nayana. So stick around and let's see how we can uh, help to uh, even broaden your horizons about good tasting food. All right, Lisa R. Good afternoon, Lisa. I'm on a no oil diet for health reasons. Uh, What are good substitutes for oil when baking, sautéing, and grilling? So I also follow a no-added oil diet and have been eating this way for almost 13 years. And I will first of all say that after a while, it all becomes second nature. Um, If you have a a book like the Engine 2 book, and this has been my go-to book for all of those years, written by Rip Esselstyn the former Austin City firefighter. Uh, He's now referred to uh, as plantstrong.com. So for the baking, when I bake, uh, there are so many great substitutes for quote, quote, fat. It could be a banana. It could be a sweet potato. It could be tofu. uh, It could be a number of things. For sauteing, uh, if you refer to the ruby recipe for uh, uh, no-oil sauté mushrooms, That to me is uh, a cornerstone in learning to cook plant-based without oil. And you can use that same recipe for zucchini, for um, asparagus. I use it for practically everything as long as the vegetables are cut properly. So it's uh, heat your pan, uh, add uh, your savories like uh, shallots or whatever, and have a deglazing agent, so you could use low-sodium broth. You could use wine. You could use cooking wine. Uh, some people enjoy using fruit juice. Me, I just use water because it's easy. And then there are wonderful spices that you can uh, do seasoning with. So uh, it takes a little bit of practice. That, but that mushroom activity is probably one of the one of my favorite recipes in Ruby, and I feel as though. It kind of creates a wonderful foundation for learning how to cook oil-free. And for grilling, grilling is a tough one because you don't want your food to stick to the grill. So uh, if you have a little spray bottle, fill it up with some stock or your vegetable stock and a little bit of water and spray your vegetables. And uh, wherever the hottest part of the grill is, you may not necessarily want your vegetables there because you might wanna cook them more slowly. So I put my vegetables on the outside of the grill. Uh, And then some people will use a cedar plank to even cook their vegetables on. It'll add a little different flavor to it, but it also prevents your uh, items from uh, sticking to the grill. So what I wanna say is it's all trial. And it's all trial. I'm not going to say trial and error because every day that you learn to cook without oil is another victory for you in following a whole food, plant-based, no oil diet. Also, I wanted to suggest if you're a member of the Plant-Based Nutritional Support Group in Michigan, they do everything now virtually, of course. Uh, They have some wonderful seminars. I did one last week for a group, um, a heart disease group, and it was very interesting hearing from them how uh, they have, you know, adapted and created wonderful, wonderful recipes that everyone loves. Uh, Rip also has some great recipes in here. This was his first, his first book. Uh, his sister Jane has a new cookbook coming out on uh, August the 23rd. So uh, there's lots of resources. And again, um Uh, feel free to email me at char at ruby.com. And Lisa, good luck. Keep up the great work. Um, Why is, this is from Deborah. Why is there such a prevalent celiac issue these days? Was it just not diagnosed generations past or has food and human tolerances to food or even our increased love for processed foods and sugars be the cause? So this could be an entire uh, seminar. And it's something that I think about a lot. Uh, The other day, I was reading that there are 99 diseases that weren't around 99 years ago because of the prevalence of processed foods and how sometimes food is grown. The other thing is that it's very, uh, it's not difficult, but it takes a longer time for some reason in America for celiac related conditions to be diagnosed. I'm not a doctor, uh, but I read a lot about this. I just think that the way that our food is grown, the way that it's packaged, the way that it's preserved has a lot to do with it. When you eat from the ground, you're not going to have these issues uh, unless you're eating wheat, but nobody really eats wheat from the ground. But that's a great question. And uh, I hope that you uh, find that helpful. This is, oh, it's Deborah V again. Uh, how are vegetables? Oh, we did that one already. Oh, no, we didn't. How are vegetables sauteed or roasted without the use of oils or butter? So, going back to the Ruby no oil saute mushroom uh, on our website, and that is uh, the holy grail for learning to cook without uh, any added oils. As for the butter, First of all, even if you use Earth Balance or any of the other commercial brands of, quote, quote, vegan butters, uh, they still contain nine grams of fat per tablespoon. Uh, So when you think about it, a gram of fat is a gram of fat. Uh, So better to stay away from that. Season your vegetables with your favorite seasonings. Um, I'm somebody who buys nutritional yeast in bulk and uh, can make all kinds of uh, things with it. And, you know, um, a few weeks ago, I was doing a a live event. And when we were growing up, my grandmother would make something that she called people's cheese. And some of you may know that um, my mother uh, was Italian. And what my grandmother used to do is save the heel, the end of the bread, of Italian bread and uh, she would uh, make it into breadcrumbs, and then she would saute it, and then would put it on top of pasta or whatever, and she learned to make that during the depression when cheese wasn't available. So I often make a vegan version of uh, people cheese, and I will saute whole wheat Breadcrumbs and add some nutritional yeast and black pepper. And it is so good to sprinkle on top of a salad because it also adds a different kind of texture once you apply your oil free dressing. So, all right, we're going to head over to see what Paul H has to say. I'm sure you have been asked this question many times, but can a person obtain adequate protein? and all necessary nutrients and vitamins from a vegan diet. What are your thoughts about combining sustainably caught salmon and sardines with a, I don't know what a PLA is, but. So I have two books in front of me. One is by Rip Esselstyn. The other is by The Share's Eyes. Um, Aisha and her husband, Dean, And they both have excellent chapters about the protein myth that you can obtain all of the protein that you need just by eating vegetables. And here's what I know. I've worked with a lot of people who've said, I'm just going to eat salmon once a week. And then you check in with them and they're eating salmon five days a week. And then a month later, they're eating steak and salmon. And I'll speak for myself for a minute. When I became plant-based, I did it solely for myself because I wanted to avoid any of the pitfalls that I saw in my parents and that I see in other relatives. So I did it just for me. But then what happened gradually is that you become very aware of the environment and how food is processed, how animal food is processed. And then you become very aware about the well-being of animals. So um, I think I can convince you, Paul, that if you got Rip's first book, and I even earmarked this where he says, um, not only will you get all the protein you need for the first time in your life, you won't suffer from an excess of it. For example, spinach is 51% protein. Mushrooms are high in protein. Quinoa is a perfect source of protein. It contains all essential nine Amino acids, and it's such a versatile di- uh, dinner way to make your dinner. So I think that taking a deep dive into reading a few chapters from Rip's book or from the Sherrside book will be very, very helpful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a no, a buzz no on the sustainably caught salmon or sardines, um, and I hope that you just keep eating those vegetables, Paul. I know that you know. I always say Popeye was right, so. Anyway, very good question, thank you. All right, this is from Marilyn G. Hello, Marilyn. I find that I am growing spices, yet don't use them. I cook vegetable dishes often. What spices would you think about, the com- about with common vegetables? Think zucchini, broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, Kale, beans, carrots, hard squashes. Wow, I want to be your neighbor is what I want to be. Uh, that all sounds delicious. Uh, you know, um, a I don't know what kind of uh, spices and herbs that you're growing, but I always love adding fresh uh, basil to the end of a dish. Um, I find that very, very nice. Uh, as you know, I don't use salt, so some of the Mrs. Dash uh, varieties. I'm particularly fond of the lime one. Uh, it's very good on uh, any kind of Latin dish. I think it's uh, a good time to peruse uh, the aisles of your grocery. However, if you're growing your own spices, I would dry them. Uh, and you can either dry them naturally in the sun, or if you were living in Philadelphia last week, you could have dried them in your car where the inside of your car was 120 degrees. Um, I love dill. Uh, Dill is wonderful on anything. A great hot sauce. You know, there are wonderful hot sauces. However, you do want to check the sodium content of some of them. Uh, But Marilyn, I'm coming to your house because it sounds like you have a wonderful, wonderful garden. So I absolutely love that. This is from Lisa R. Not a question, but maybe a helpful comment. I just had my protein levels checked in my blood after being plant-based. They came back right in the middle of normal without any meat or protein supplements. That is a great book. But Lisa, kudos to you, a standing ovation. And, you know, um, with protein, the other question also is people always say to me, but where do you get your calcium? And uh, when I go have bone density tests done, uh, whomever the physician is always quite amazed that I have a good calcium score. And it's because I eat leafy greens. It's because um, I use uh, some calcium enriched plant milks, Uh, but the more leafy greens that you eat. So that is wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. All right, this is from uh, Tim H. Uh, You know, I wanna go back for one second because I wanna go back to that protein question because that protein question has a life of its own. And I wanted to tell you that I make my own almond milk. If you're drinking almond milk out of a carton, uh, there's a gram of protein in a commercially made, Uh, you know, like silk or whatever the brand might be. Plus, it's no plastic July, and uh, there are a lot of plant milks that do come in plastic bottles. So here's my trick. Here is a generic grocery store almond butter. Uh, It uh, has zero sodium in it. Uh, There are seven grams of protein in a serving. And what I do is I... Take a I take a tablespoon, so that would be three and a half grams of protein. I add one pitted date. I add eight ounces of water. And if you want a little extra flavor, I prefer using alcohol-free vanilla, especially because if you're going to feed it to people or to young children or people who might have an alcohol intolerance, I throw it all in my blender and... Uh, Two seconds later, out comes 12 ounces of the creamiest, most delicious almond milk that you have ever had. And uh, we posted a recipe for it today. It's a little bit different from mine, but make it stored in a glass jar like this. Uh, Date it, it'll last for five days. I use it in uh, beverages and things like that, Uh, but it is totally delicious. It really enhances the flavor of a bowl of oatmeal. And there are, um, let's see, 15 servings in here. So that means that you would, if you multiply 15 times 12, my point is this is a better um, investment for almond milk. There is no waste, no trash, and it's so fresh and delicious. So uh, let me know if you uh, decide to make your own. And yes, if you choose to use regular vanilla, Uh, certainly feel free to. but I do prefer the alcohol-free. It's really good. All right. Uh, This is from Tim H. He's not here today. He can't make it, but he's going to catch us on the uh, rebroadcast. Uh, My current interest is to eventually open a vegan eatery in my hometown. I wonder if you can share information that would help in creating a healthy business. Well, first of all, I would love to know where you lived, uh, because as they say, location, location, location. I always say to begin with a needs assessment. I would go visit other vegan eateries. I would perhaps look at the network of vegan chefs uh, that are in your community. Uh, We have a wonderful, uh, South Jersey is just over a bridge Uh, We have a wonderful Ruby graduate who has a cafe called the Gentle Giant Cafe. And uh, if you go to gentlegiant.com, reach out to Dawn is her name. And I'm sure that she would be happy to uh, discuss with you the joys and pitfalls that might come with operating your own business. You would also want to establish what kind of vegan eatery it would be. And... um, finding a location, becoming an LLC, working with a great lawyer and uh, having that passion for cooking plant-based food that I'm sure you already have. So great question. Thanks very much, Tim. hope you catch us on the uh, rebound there. So uh, Michelle H is just saying good day and good day to you as well. I hope your day's going well. Uh, let's see. Hello, Chef Shar. Where is the recipe for the Brussels sprouts assignment that you mentioned in your office hours a month ago? You referred to a white balsamic glaze. That sounds delicious. I got one of those microplane cutters that you showed us. Oh, I hope you love the microplane cutter. I think it, hold on a second. Um, She was referring to this made by the microplane company. It is perfect for cutting Brussels sprouts. I'm sure, uh, Melissa, that it made your assignment go really, really quickly. And I hope that you uh, enjoyed that. So uh, the Brussels sprouts assignment is under roasting vegetables in Ruby. So if you type in the queue, uh, roasting vegetables Ruby, and it's where you have a choice of either doing Brussels sprouts or cauliflower or, or whichever. And uh, The trick of that recipe, uh, Melissa, is the placement on the roasting pan of your vegetables, that they do not touch, that they are about an inch apart from each other, that they are lined up in a beautiful array, um, and that you follow the uh, proper oven temperature, which by the way, um, if you do not have an oven thermometer for your oven, you may wanna get one. Uh, They're very reasonable, but they sort of help to verify Uh, the temperature of your oven, the readout, the LCD readout might say 400 degrees, but your oven might be cooking slower at maybe 375. So it's good to have that verification. And then you can adjust the heat of your oven as needed. So thank you very much, Melissa. And I'm glad that you got the, uh, the microplane Brussels. I know it seems a little extravagant, but it makes things so much fast. And you know, I love gadgets. So thank you again. Uh, This is from Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Uh, I love sweet potatoes, but I'm still learning how to cook them. What is an easy way to bake or boil them? Well, from my experience, I enjoy them baked. I enjoy them in a 400 degree oven. I place them directly on an oven grid. I don't even put them on a pan. And I cook them for about 40 to 50 minutes till they start to caramelize and get that oozy, dark brown color. And I batch cook them. So I keep them in the refrigerator so that I can use them throughout the week for all kinds of different recipes. My favorite, uh, there are two favorites. One is red garnet. And then I also love uh, Japanese uh, sweet potatoes as well. So Um, if you try the Japanese sweets let me know because they are a little bit drier of a sweet potato they're not as moist they don't have much water in them Um, but they caramelize beautifully and they have a nice texture and they're almost beige and they look beautiful in any kind of recipe okay this is from Ermela Uh, I am trying to eat less of wheat bread. Do you have a good recipe for rye bread? Um, So there is a website called Alaska from Scratch. And the woman who owns this website has a great recipe for making bread. And uh, it takes 18 hours. And you cook it in a uh, Dutch oven. And I have often substituted other flours, but have not cooked 100% with rye flour. So you may wanna read up on uh, interchanging flours. If you say you wanna eat less wheat, I would 50-50. I would start off with 50-50 of wheat and 50-50 of rye, and then move on from there and see how that works for you. But the recipe is great because you make the dough, it rises overnight, you take your Dutch oven, you heat it up at 450 degrees. And then with safety and magic, you put it on a piece of parchment paper and then drop it into your Dutch oven and then bake it for 45 minutes. And it comes out to be the most delicious. So I hope that you'll get to try that. Um, Please share, this is from Samantha. Please share some of your favorite dishes that you've made recently. Okay, so um, on Tuesdays, I volunteer, as I shared with you, at a place called Sanctuary Farms. And a couple of days before, the farmer will email me what's available for harvest, and then I'll make something from that. So today, uh, I made a gazpacho that was gluten-free, because most gazpacho has uh, breadcrumbs in it. So it was uh, peppers, tomatoes, onions, garlic, and cucumbers, and uh, it was seasoned with tomato paste, and it had a quarter of a cup of white vinegar, and I pulsed it until it was chunky and handed it out today, and everyone absolutely loved it. I threw in a can of beans, not because I wanted to add more protein, but because I thought with the population that I work with that too much acid might've been too much for them. So I thought the beans would neutralize the flavor. And of course it had no salt in it and everyone loved it. It's summertime, I make a lot of salad. I'll make a potato salad. Um, If you're looking for a great potato salad recipe, uh, Jane Esselstyn and her mom, Anne, have a recipe. It's called Jen's Potato Salad. And it is in their Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease Cookbook. And wherever I take this potato salad, people are always raving about it. It's too hot to cook, but uh, the ruby baked tofu recipe, I will batch cook that and I will make half of it in planks and then I will make half of it in cubes so that I could use the cubes as croutons on a salad. And if I wanted to make a vegan banh mi, which is a traditional uh, Vietnamese sandwich Uh, that has some delicious fermented vegetables on it with baked tofu. I will do that. But it's too hot to cook. But if you check out my Instagram page, I'm always posting something about, you know, what it is that I've made or whatever. Anyway, uh, but most of all, Samantha, have fun in your own kitchen. You know, just have fun. Let it rip. Enjoy what you do. Enjoy this beautiful summer bounty. So good question. Thank you so much. Okay, this is from Janet P. When did using oil in every dish start? Every cooking show I watch on TV has so much oil, I'm oil free and love it. Oh, that's great. I'm happy, happy to hear that. Um, When will chefs on TV learn about this way to cook? Do you think oil free cooking will become mainstream? So uh, perhaps some of you follow uh, Tabitha Brown, the sensation of the vegan world who has over a million followers on her social media, and she has a clothing line at Target. And now she's going to have the first vegan cooking show on the Food Network. She cooks with a lot of oil and a lot of processed food. So, I don't know about the answer to that. I always think that many of the plant-based, no-oil chefs who I know should have their own cooking shows. I think part of our role is to be a beacon and a voice in this community so that we can let people know how delicious food can be. For example, I happen to love Lydia Bastianich. I'm enchanted with the way that she cooks and her wonderful stories about her and her mom. Um, but she uses a lot of oil. The other thing that you have to remember is that a lot of these cooking shows are supported by olive oil companies. So of course, uh, you know you don't see the uh, you don't see the kale council uh, doing commercials on uh, PBS or whatever. So keep on fighting the good no oil fight, and um, you know stick with like-minded people because I think in the end we are going to be a really, really healthy group. We might be a small group, but we're gonna be a really healthy group. And I really appreciate your insights, Janet, because uh, this is one of the questions that I think about all of the time. So thank you very much. All right, oh, Deborah, back again. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, With regards to sweet potatoes, do you personally cook the leaves or maybe eat them raw? Uh, No leaves. Uh, I, don't you, I don't eat them raw. Um, they're taking over my lawn. That might be a good problem, uh, which is fine. But a neighbor just asked today if I had been cooking with leaves as well. And I currently don't, I've never cooked with the leaves from a potato. Usually they die off. Um, I'm growing potatoes right now in my garden that I grew from potatoes that I forgot about. So, uh, What I understand is when the leaves turn brown is when you pick them for um, using uh, in recipes and such. I'm gonna go research that, that's a great question and I'm very envious of you. Uh, It sounds like a wonderful, wonderful project. Oh, it's Dietrich! congratulations on graduating from our plant Pro program. Dietra is doing all kinds of wonderful things in the Atlanta, Georgia area, along with her work at PCRM. And um, she's a wonderful resource and certainly has her fingers in a lot of plant-based pots. So what are the ratios to convert a vinaigrette to oil-free? I know the normal ratio of oil to vinegar is three to one. What would the equivalent for oil free be? Well, I'll give you the easiest one. Uh, It's a three, two, one dressing. So it is um, three ounces of vinegar, two ounces of water, and one tablespoon of mustard. And if you want to, you can add in some sweetener like maple syrup or monk fruit or whatever. I think uh, I make a lot of oil-free dressings and most of them are extemporaneous. Um, I found last week, for example, that I made a, uh, well, people said it was delicious, a dressing and it was too watery looking and I didn't wanna add chia because I didn't want people to be frightened by those little black things. So I used uh, two very small cooked new potatoes and threw everything into a blender and pureed it. And it came out nice and thick and had a really uh, wonderful uh, texture to it. So I say uh, play around with flavors that you like. And also we had the question at the top of the hour about uh, good olive oil. I think the same thing holds true with vinegar because a good quality vinegar can really um, make the uh, salad taste exceptionally delicious. So uh, check around for some vinegars. Uh, If you're looking for a really good vinegar store that sends vinegar and olive oil all all over the world uh, at the Italian market where Rocky Balboa ran down 9th Street, uh, there's a wonderful store called Cardenas uh, Tap Room. And it's C-A-R-D-E-N-A-S. And they have delicious, delicious um, balsamic vinegars from Modena uh, made from the Tribbiano grape, which is how you know you have an authentic uh, balsamic uh, vinegar or glaze. And my favorite right now, they have a summer fig and a summer cucumber. And the cucumber is absolutely delicious. So anyway... Um, it's 2.40 and Ditra I hope I answered all of your questions. Um, <clears throat> it's 2.40. Um, it looks as though, uh, we have answered everything and, you know, uh, before we leave, um, I forget how Dietra and I met because I knew her before I knew she was a student at Ruby. And in the fall of 2020, when we were at the apex of COVID, I was finishing up a program that I had worked on for two years uh, through the CDC. And I was looking for some guest speakers to add some frolic and joy to this last class. And I reached out to Deitra and she was kind enough uh, via Zoom to tune into our class. And it was just so much fun. And I'm uh, really happy with the great work that she is doing uh, in her uh, home state of Georgia. So we talked about how to make your own almond butter. We talked about protein. And as Rip Esselstyn says, it's really a myth. You don't need that sustainably grown meat or fish. And the same thing holds true in this book by the shares Eyes. Stay hydrated. Enjoy what you do. I love reading your assignments. And it looks like I'm going to say so long from the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And until next time, I hope everyone has a great day. Keep cooking.